Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're newer visiting, um, we go through books of the Bible, and so I believe that uh, Pastor Drell is finishing up Mark chapter 16, 1 through 14, Jesus Lives, this coming Wednesday night, so we encourage you to come out. We have full services on Wednesday night, junior high, high school, kids' life, a lot of things going on. So he's going to do that, and then I believe he's going into 1 Samuel, I believe, on Wednesday nights, so excited about that. So this morning, we find ourselves on Sunday morning in 1 Corinthians, and then for the uh, men's Bible study, we're going to go into, we finished up Ephesians this past time, we're going to go into Philippians, Philippians, if you'd like to read ahead, and I encourage you to do that. Read through Philippians a couple times before our next Bible study, it'll help you immensely. So we're going to pick it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Well, you know what, let's go back to... Well, let's just go back to verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So to those who are dying without Christ. And you could think maybe about your own life. The cross, (laughs) that's ridiculous. But to us who are being saved, so the believer now as an unbeliever is foolish, but as a believer, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Now, guys, remember, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write this. So whatever human author God used, it's the Holy Spirit talking to you and I. Don't ever forget that. Don't argue about, well, who wrote Hebrews? No, no, no. The Holy Spirit inspired it. So the Holy Spirit is asking, even today in 2021, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. That's called the gospel, the good news. For Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Show me another miracle. Show me another miracle. Well, if I just study all the religions, I'll find out which one is right. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. The Messiah crucified? That's not in my scriptures. Yes, it was. They were just so focused on overthrowing Rome, they missed the Christ. And we could be so focused on getting our government in order that we miss what God would have us to do to our neighbor, to our coworker, to love on them, to care for them. We miss out because we're all wrapped up in all this other stuff. So be careful what you get yourself wrapped up into. It can be very dangerous. It can be very costly. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are being called both Jews and Greeks, and Greeks here, you can substitute the word Gentile, two groups of people in the world, even to this day, in the Jewish mind, you're either a Jew, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's it. 
So to anyone, in other words, anyone, the whole human race, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Father, we're just going to continue in our worship of you by again surrendering our hearts, opening our minds to your word, to your Holy Spirit. Help us to lay those things at the cross right now that might be distracting us. What's maybe happening later today, what's happened this week or this month. And help us to focus on this moment in eternity. Help us to glean. Help us to have a heart transformation. That you, as we've just read, that you will be glorified through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So our text, verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So the first thing that catches my mind is what is your calling? What is their calling? You see your calling. What is that? You see, they were called into the kingdom of God and they responded to the calling and became children of God. Not that God isn't calling all of humanity. So as you read your Bible, you want to read all of your Bible because this is where religion is very, very dangerous. Of every social and economic status because he is, but only a few will respond to that calling. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate. Well, what is the narrow gate? Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through Buddha, not through Muhammad, not through any ism. It's only through Jesus. And when we proclaim that, people say, well, you Christians, you're just so narrow. You're so narrow-minded. Doesn't everybody get to go to heaven? Uh, No, they don't. We're narrow because Jesus was very narrow. And since Jesus is God, we're going to stick with what he says. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate. So emphasis here, narrow, narrow, narrow is the gate. And as difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, those who do acknowledge their sinful nature, if you're here this morning, you do not have Jesus as your Savior, this needs to be your first step in accepting Jesus as your Savior. You need to admit, I have a sinful nature. 
If you don't know that, go work with the two and three-year-olds. You'll remember very quickly. You are a sinner, and they're little sinners that need a Savior. So you're a sinner. So you have to acknowledge, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Those who acknowledge your sinful nature in need of a Savior will repent. Repent means to turn away from my sin, and I'm going to turn to God. He's going to be my Savior. He can, he can save me. God will then bless them with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and they become his kids forever. As 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Guys, think about this. As John was sharing, the love that we have, we shouldn't be hiding from the world. We shouldn't be hiding from our neighbors. We shouldn't be hiding from those who are hurt. And I get it. Uh, Claudia's told me over the years, you need to calm down when somebody's dying, a believer's dying. Because I get really excited. <laughs> I get really excited. And she says, they, they're going to take it wrong. I, yeah, but they're going to heaven. <clears throat> they know that, and you know that. <clears throat> but they need to work through the process. Ah, okay, 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 okay. So I've, I've learned to calm it down and show love in a more calmly manner. And then when they die, then I go crazy. I just, it's great, they're in heaven. That they should be called the children of God. Not the children of the United States or the children of Mexico or the children of Canada or the children of Europe. That's also shallow and so temporary. Guys, you and I, we are called the children of God. You see, religion is one of the greatest tools of the enemy causing people to believe that their good deeds will get them into heaven. Now you might think, well, why are we going over these simplistic things? Because this week, I encourage you to write these down or take pictures or highlight them in your Bible. You are probably going to cross someone's path who needs to hear the simplicity of the gospel. They don't need to hear more about Republicans or Democrats. They don't need to hear more about conspiracy theories. They don't need any more of that trash. They need the truth. Guys, we are getting, it is so bad in America it, where you can look into a TV camera and blatantly lie, blatantly lie and think you're telling the truth and try to convince everybody you're telling the truth when as soon as you're done saying it, 10 minutes later, they got videos of the exact opposite that you said just a few months ago. This is where we're living right now, guys. And this is what our young people are having to endure blatant lies, in-your-face lies coming from adults who are over the whole country. We're in serious straits. So people need to hear the truth, the simple truth, that God loves them. Why? Because Romans 3.10 says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I haven't killed anybody lately. I'm going to heaven. Really? Really? You want to keep asking them questions. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Oh, I go to church all the time. I went to church for 17 years. I wasn't seeking after God. My parents sought after me every Sunday morning and said, you're going to church. But I wasn't seeking after God. They have all turned aside. They have, all, they have together become unprofitable. That was me before Christ. There is none who does good. No, not one, not one. Doesn't matter how pretty they dress, how many robes they wear, no, not one apart from Christ. So if you're here this morning and you know Jesus as your Savior, God loves you, desires to have a relationship with you, you're not getting to heaven on your own. If you decide to neglect it, to reject it, to forsake it, 
You're sending yourself to hell because God sends nobody to hell. You're saying, I'll take my chances. Fine. The word of God is true. You see, unfortunately, most of the wise, the mighty, the noble are quite content with their living situation and do not take eternity into consideration. It's like they're going to live forever. And yes, they are going to live forever, but not physically. This is one thing that really bothered me with my parents. My dad died at 100. My mom died at 95. And we would go and we'd try to share the gospel. We'd try to talk about death. And they would, they would, they would change the topic instantly. Like they were going to live forever in their physical bodies. We read them the four spiritual laws. We, we tried everything that we could do. And, and they would just change it instantly. Plant those seeds. Just keep planting the seeds. Keep watering. Keep fertilizing. I hope they're in heaven. That's between God and them. But guys, just just do our part. God will take care of the rest. Verses 27 and 28. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. So who's the foolish right now? If you're a Bible-believing Christian, the world looks at you as foolish. So you can put your name there in this text. It's not a put-down. It's just reality. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. You see, when, Jesus, when a person receives Jesus as Christ, their Savior, the Anointed One, the world looks at their decision as an out. Oh, it's just a way of escape. They think that you're foolish for stooping down to that level. When people say that Christians are weak, I think we need to say, we are. We finally have come to that place where we can admit that without God, we're helpless and hopeless. How many people are investing thousands, multi-million dollars in programs and programs and programs, and they come out the same, unfortunately? Where if you invest in Christ, you will not come out the same. If you truly invest, not half-heartedly, where you read your Bible, where you pray, where you get totally plugged into the Word of God and into fellowship, you will be transformed. That's a promise in the Word of God. There's no other earthly program that guarantees that. The Word of God guarantees that. God will do His part. You need to do yours. So the world calls that weakness. The Bible calls that wisdom. Wisdom. You see, God has called you, and what does it say here? Base things. Base things means without kin. Without kin. Hey, who does this kid belong to? Not me. How about you? Not mine. No way. Not mine. Without kin. Are despised? It means to make of no account. I can, I can testify to you this morning. I'm a 61-year-old baby. I was born to my parents at 39 and 41. I was youngest of six. And I'm still the baby of the family. Don't know much of anything. That's okay. That's all right. I'm going to heaven. They've heard it. I hope you are too. From their actions or fruit, I don't think so. Some of you might have heard these words when you were growing up. You know, 
you're never going to amount to anything. Wow, thanks for those encouraging words. To bring to nothing, in verse 28 there, the end of verse 28, to bring to nothing, it means in the Greek to render useless. To render useless. Man, you're useless. When are you going to do something with your life? Hmm. But you're a co-heir with Christ of eternal promises, guys. Again, you become a son or a daughter of God. You're a brother or sister of Jesus. Think about this. I, I hope that you do on a regular basis. That's why I get so excited about dying. I'm going to see Jesus face to face and be able to give God, Dad, a hug and say, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I, I'm so excited about getting to heaven. You're also going to be able to see the Holy Spirit and be encouraged and strengthened. That So you're the one who worked through me. Thank you so much for working through me. We're going to heaven instead of hell. I'd say that's a really good decision. A really good decision. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. It doesn't matter how much gold a person has on this side of heaven. It's pavement in heaven. It doesn't matter. But we put great stock in it, right? When I say we, the human race puts great stock in wealth, in buildings, in houses, in cars, in clothes, in in makeup, in whatever it might be. We put great stock in that. But when a person dies, which... Just happened a few weeks ago. A multi-billionaire died. Did he take any of it with him? Feel free to take your two fingers. Zero. Zero. He left it all behind for somebody else to waste. Zero. The big goose egg. That no flesh should glory in his presence. No unbeliever will boast of any achievement on this side of heaven when they step in front of the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne judgment seat. Everything that they did in this world will be but ashes on that judgment day, a useless pile of ashes. There'll be no rewards or recognitions, no acceptance speeches or congratulations. The unbeliever will bow in total reverence and submission before the God that they once mocked on this side of heaven. But the believer, we go before the Bema seat in Christ, the reward seat of Christ. Salvation's off the table. If you're worried about your salvation, please mature and get it off the table and get involved with what God wants you to do with your spiritual gifts. Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. That's what we're called to do as believers. But the believer in heaven will be proclaiming Revelation 19.2a, for true and righteous are his judgments. We will then fully understand why God did some of the things that he did. Right now, we still may question, even as believers. Just put it back in God's hands. He knows what he's doing. Verses 30 and 31, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Very important there, wisdom from God. We can have wisdom from mankind, and yes, there is wisdom, and we've gained a lot of wisdom, praise God. But, again, it's all temporal wisdom. When you die, you die. 
This wisdom that we desire comes from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So think of those four things there. Wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, he who glories, he who boasts, he who makes a claim, let him glory in the Lord. You see, for us Christians, now and even more so, we will be able to see the wisdom given to us by God, and I'm sure that we can give all glory to him for that. We will not be walking around heaven bragging about what we have achieved, but bragging about what God achieved through us, if we've allowed him to do that. He desires to do that. It is God that grants us the true wisdom that is needed on this side of heaven. We enter into heaven, there's not going to be anybody to evangelize. There's not going to be any sickness. We're not going to need any prayer teams. Jesus is going to welcome us, so we don't need a greeter at the door. And Peter's not at the door, by the way. A lot of great jokes, but Peter's not there. So if you want to store up treasure in heaven, do it on this side, because once you get to heaven, you're not going to be able to store up any treasure. It is God who granted us redemption through salvation. Jesus is the one who makes us righteous or being right with God. It is God who sanctifies us, washing our minds with the water of the word. That's what sanctification means. It basically means cleansing your mind, debugging the program. You know, I used to swear. And now when I swear, I kind of feel awkward. That's because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit is saying, can't you just praise God? Can't you just praise the Lord? Can't you just say, thanks God that I didn't bust my hand, I only hit my thumb. There's so many things that you and I can do instead of those types of things. You see, when it is all over, it will all be about God and what he has done for each and every one of us. This is in heaven, guys. But it should also take place here on earth. It is God who redeemed us, literally snatching us out of the fires of hell. Do you appreciate that every day? 42,000 people died on American highways last year. And people were staying home. it It went up. It went up. It was one of the highest years of fatalities with a country that was locked down. That's because nobody was on the road. Let's do 120. Yee-hoo! And they're still doing it now that the highways are getting busier. So it's probably going to go up again this year. 42,000. Think about that. You could have been one of them. Were you ready? Are you ready? Do you want to do something before you go? We may seem foolish and we may appear weak according to the world's standards. Others may not want to hang around us. Have you noticed your friends that used to do things with you? They don't want to hang around you? Praise God. Find new friends. There's lots of people. There's 8 billion people on the face of the earth. You'll find somebody. See, that's why we need the church and to fellowship regularly with like-minded believers because God sees you as priceless. This is hard for us to imagine because we know ourselves. But God sees us as priceless. And we need to remind each other of that. You see, believers are a special possession according to the word of God that God purchased through the blood of his one and only son. You've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No matter what the world tries to offer us, it doesn't get any better than that, guys. Again, all the gold, you're going to leave it behind you. In heaven, there'll be no more complaining about what is happening in this world. 
just pure praise and adoration for the one who saved us from ourselves. Feel free to let that sink in. From the one who saved us from ourselves. Where would you be today if you didn't have Christ? Where would I be if I hadn't found Christ? It would not have been a pretty picture. I can guarantee you that. I was heading down a very bad road. We will all be giving all praise to God the Father, Jesus, His one and only Son, and the Holy Spirit who entered and continually fills us with wisdom that this world just does not understand. And why is that? Chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I have that last verse highlighted in my Bible. Do I want the wisdom of men? Yeah, it'd be nice, but I know my brain. I got a two-week memory, wasted in the 70s. It's just the way it is. So I'd rather have the power of God. And what does that look like? Is it the power of God? Or is it going into somebody's house and just reading the Bible? This just popped into my mind. I was visiting a man who was terminal. And I didn't know if he knew Jesus. So I went to his house. Family asked, would you go visit him? Absolutely. I love visiting people. Rather visit people than be in the office. Took my guitar, played songs, spent time with them, read over verses. I go, do you you get it? Do you understand? Eh, I I don't know. Okay. All right. Well, can I come back next week? Yeah, come back next week. So I went home, and I did that for like six, seven, eight times. I don't know the number of times I did it. But when I went back, I didn't come up with all brand new Bible study because I knew where he was. He was unsure of his salvation. He didn't know if he died that he would go to heaven instantly. So I read over the same scriptures again, just lovingly, just ran over him, fellowshiped with him, talked about life, other things, spent an hour, two hours, whatever it was. Love spending time with people, just by read the same scriptures. After the second week, does it make sense? Well, I don't know. Third week, well, I don't know. One of those weeks, whatever it was, I don't know, fifth, sixth, seventh week, I walk in and I start talking and his face is beaming. I mean, definite difference in his countenance. I go, what's going on? You seem really happy. He goes, I get it. You get it? What, what do you get? Those scriptures that, you, that you've been talking to me about and that I wrote down that I've been reading, I finally get it. I understand what they mean. And you know you're going to heaven? Yes. Are you sure? It wasn't nice of me, was it? And he looked back at me and said, absolutely. Why? Because the word of God told me so. Guys, that's the power of God. The gospel that will transform hearts. It's not my power. It's the power of God working through me. 
in a humble way, in a meek way, maybe in a, in a loud way. God says, the word says, save some by fear. That's why you often hear me, he will hear me say, if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. It is real. Jesus spoke about hell. So if hell's not real, Jesus is a liar. If you want to call Jesus a liar, <laughs> that's between God and you, not me. Don't get me involved with that. So hell is real. You can think whatever you want to think. I'm telling you right now, hell is real. And the Bible says, save some through fear, a healthy fear of God, that if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're going to hell. And you think Phoenix is hot, nothing, nothing compared to hell. So you better make sure that you're right with God. You've been warned. So in these verses here, Paul reminds them of what took place when he first visited with them. He didn't show up with pomp and pageantry. pageantry. He showed up in humility, pointing these sinners to what? What do you guys see there? Verse 2 crucified, the last word, crucified, the cross, the cross. Notice in verse 4 that he didn't try to persuade them with fanciful arguments. Notice in verse 4, not with persuasive words of human wisdom. No, he just took them to the cross You see, over the years, mankind has tried to get people saved through various techniques and fanciful ways. We just got to be relatable. The church has to be more like the world. If we're more like the world, then the world will come and then they'll get saved. Wrong. The world knows it's a game. They walk in and they go, man, this is bogus. I didn't come to church to see smoke and lights and to hear a rock group play. I want to know what's different. I could have gotten this down at the local bar. What is different about you all? Why would I want to come to Christianity if it's not different? They need to see a difference. They need to see a relationship and not theater. We want to be very, very careful how we do things. The cross is what brings us to salvation. Why would we think that some other way would work better now? Oh, this is 2021. We got to be relevant. I think, yeah, be relevant. Tell people when they die, they're going to heaven or hell. That's relevant because people are committing suicide over what's taking place in our country and this world. People, I don't know if you look at the news or not, but people that have a lot of money, a lot of followers, even on social media, I don't know if you noticed or not, But people in their 20s who have thousands of followers, thousands, into the tens of thousands of followers, all of a sudden commit suicide. What? You got all these people following you. Doesn't that mean they like you? They could care less about you. And they're committing suicide. What is that telling us? It's empty. If you're here this morning and you're trying to build up followers, it's empty. You see, when we take that approach, we might just be putting man's wisdom above God's design. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, if you're new or visiting, we put slides up, the team puts slides up. Please have a Bible. I, I know we have devices and that's all fine and great, but I encourage you to have a Bible. I know some of you need the, the, the uh, device for font. Totally get it. There's no condemnation. I know you've come up and told me that you have your Bible at home, like you have to report to me. You don't have to report to me. I'm just encouraging you. You do what you want to do. 
Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and powerful. That man that I went to visit, I could have went in there with all other fanciful things. But the Lord has taught me over the years, the Holy Spirit has taught me, go in with the simplicity of the word of God. Just quote the word of God. Every week, even if it's the same verse, don't get embarrassed. Don't get, don't get freaked out about that. If they need to hear that verse over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. If he gives you new verses, then, then do that as well, obviously. Be led of the Holy Spirit. But don't be embarrassed to read the same verses. If the person isn't getting it, they're not getting it. So we have to keep going over the simplicity with the, uh, with the simplicity of the gospel. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And here's key, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When I go to someone, I don't know what they're thinking. Many times I'll go to a hospital, first time I've ever met them. I have no idea what they're thinking. I have no idea what's in their heart. So I I have to go in gently and lovingly and say, how you doing? And and develop a relationship and and then ask them some simple questions. Well, you know, have have you been to church? Are you a believer? Uh, My first memorial, this was so devastating. I just come on on staff, full-time ministry. And my, my first assignment in the middle of summer, I think it was, July, it was, definitely, it was definitely August, I should say definitely July, if not August. My first assignment, the senior pastor comes to me and says, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to do a memorial service. I'm like, I've never done one before. Okay, where is it? Well, it's out in North Scottsdale somewhere. Somewhere? Yeah, here's the address. I look it up. It's outside at a cemetery with no trees, North Scottsdale, desert. So I show up in a suit. What an idiot. In a suit. And I just casually, hi, hi, how are you? I'm the pastor. Hi, how are you? Uh, well, did, did uh, I'll just say John, I don't know what his name is. Well, did, did John, go to, you know, John go to Sunday school? I don't think so. Oh, okay, nice meeting you. Went over to the next person. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, well, did, did John go to church? Do you know if he went to church? <laughs> church? <laughs> no, not, not John. No. I'm just going, oh, boy. I just kept going around trying to find something that I could say that this guy's in heaven. I learned real quick. I didn't say it. I just told him the truth. I go, I don't know where John's at. The Bible says there's a heaven, there's a hell. Don't make this hard on who has to reside over yours. It was really, really hard. It's hard doing unbelievers, memorial service for unbelievers. For believers, I love it. Great time. So make it easy on everybody. Let them know you know Jesus, okay? People that are going to be left behind doing it for you. And there is no create creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give account. Now, the him here, I believe, is Jesus, because we're going to stand before Jesus at judgment time. God has given all judgment to Jesus. So I don't know, but Jesus knows. That means the Holy Spirit knows. That means I just need to take my Bible and be led of the Holy Spirit. So as you go to these classes, and it's a two-part, I forgot to say that. John said the next two Saturdays, so it's not the same thing. It's two separate parts. Uh, So come both Saturdays. Come. Romans 12, 17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing, 
hearing my voice, hearing me talk about politics, hearing me talk about conspiracies. I just saw, I just read an article yesterday that one of the richest men in the world is, it wants to start, um, and this don't go down conspiracy road, please, because I'm not down that. I just read the article, and this is what he wants to do. It's not a conspiracy. He actually put it out there. He wants to do this. He wants to fly planes and spray the atmosphere with these, like uh, when there's a volcano, all the ash that comes from the volcano, it cools the earth momentarily. He wants to spray the whole world with fine metallic that will reflect the sun's rays. He's been thinking about this for two decades. He has no idea what impact it will have on the world. This isn't conspiracy. This is reality. He has no idea what impact it will have on the world, but he thinks we should do it anyways. One of the richest people in the world, and not a dumb guy either, really bright as far as the world's concerned. Not very bright with that, but you know. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as the music team comes up. Guys, that's what people need to hear. Not how much you know about a conspiracy. They really don't need to hear that. They need to hear Jesus. Not how much you know about the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or this party or that party or this affiliation or that affiliation. Guys, they need Jesus. This week, let's take somebody to Jesus. Maybe what you might normally do, catch yourself and go, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do that. But tell me what to say because I don't know what to say right now. And if you throw up that prayer, I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit's going to give you something that that other person's going to look at you and go, how did you know that? And you're going to have to say, what? I didn't. You'll be amazed. That's the Holy Spirit working through you, going to the heart of that individual, to the mind of that individual, and opening a door for you and I to witness. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and that you're not looking for a bunch of bright people to go spread the gospel. You're just looking for people. And I know there's bright people in this auditorium. I know there's some really, really, really smart people. So I thank you for that, Father. But most of us are average and some of us, myself included, we're below average. Why would you use us? Because you're willing to use anyone, Father, who is willing to surrender and to be used. Father, I pray that no one, that no one in this room would put themselves on the shelf, would eliminate themselves from the ministry because they don't know this or they don't know that or I can't do this or I can't do that. Lord, I pray that you would mature them. And they'd come to that place of reliance upon you, Christ-reliance, and not self-reliance. And that they would do their part through studying and memorization and meditating, but they would at least step out in faith, knowing that you're a good God and you do want to use them in their workplace, in their neighborhood, with their family members. God, you want to use us all. So I pray, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Please stop by the table with John and Barb. They'd love to visit with you, even if you have questions. If you don't want to commit today, that's fine. Just ask questions. 
but it's a great opportunity for ministry. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you might think, wow, I don't want to go to hell. How can I go to heaven? Come on up. We'll pray with you. I may never ever see you again, but we'll pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior, and you can be guaranteed. Now, because what I say, what the Bible says, you'll be guaranteed you're going to go to heaven. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.